We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, B Nation. Welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It's Tuesday, January 17th. That's Ryan Roberts. I'm Brian Driscoll. And we're going to talk some Notre Dame team stuff, Ryan. And we're going to kind of, you know, last week we did a bit of a sort of a State of the Union conversation where we looked at, you know, where Notre Dame is, kind of big picture on the team and offense and defense. And we're going to do something similar over the next couple of weeks, kind of going position by position and just sort of give like an off-season overview of where Notre Dame is, where they need to get to, looking at the present, looking at the future, and just really evaluating each position. Because I, what, I, what I'm really wanting to get to this off-season, Ryan, is, you know, where is, where is Notre Dame in regard to really competing for a championship? And, and diving at each position and saying, okay, here's where it is. Is this good enough to to be a championship team? What needs to happen to get there? Is it coaching? Is it talent? Is it top-end talent? Is it depth? What are those different things? And then kind of project to the future saying, hey, you know, it's not there now, but I really feel like because of the direction it's going with some additions, it can get to, you know, over here. And so those are the different those are the different conversations that we're going to have at each position group. And it's going to be fun, Ryan, and, and just kind of looking at it because I, I do think that Notre Dame is a lot closer than people think. I do. I do think that Notre Dame is closer to being that team that can take that next step than, than a lot of people give them credit for. And, and I understand why people don't see it that way. Totally get it. You lost to Stanford and Marshall. I, I get it. You know, we're watching Georgia beat TCU 65-7, to and we're thinking about how Notre Dame lost to Marshall and Stanford, Okay. It is what it is, but it was just a couple of years ago that you know that that Georgia lost at home to a three and nine, four and eight Stanford South Carolina team, right? It happens. So where is Notre Dame? But we can also admit that they're not there yet, right? And, and could they win a championship in twenty twenty three? Sure, they could. Some things got to kind of break their way, and and some guys got to rise up. But you know there are some question marks about here's where they are here, which is championship level. But this group maybe could be championship level next year, but it might not be this year, and then. It's always been the case at Notre Dame, right? It was that way in 2015. They had a championship offense, but not a championship defense. 18, they had a championship defense, but not a championship offense. When are they going to be able to get it all on the same page? That's kind of the question mark. And that's where we're going to be evaluating this program over the next you know, couple of weeks. And then as we get into spring ball, we'll kind of start zeroing in more on 
okay, 2023 specifically where things are at the time, Ryan. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to having this conversation. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be fascinating. And I'm really, I mean, you know, we always have to start with quarterback, right? Because that's what everyone wants to talk about. But also that is one of the positions that Notre Dame needs to be better at, right? You need to recruit at a higher level. You need to develop at a higher level. You need to play a higher brand of football. So it's going to be interesting because we've seen Notre Dame have a good product, right? Bordering mm-hmm. on a very good product. But in order to get to that elite level, need to talk about how we're going to get there, right? And who are the players that are going to get to that next level and be able to take us there? And if they're not there, what does Notre Dame need to do in order to get those players there, right? Like that's the whole part of the conversation. So I'm excited to start with quarterback because I think that the quarterback conversation is changing very rapidly for Notre Dame. I think we're heading in in a good direction pretty quickly. I think the quarterback conversation is important first because, number one, it's just a topic everybody wants to talk about, number one. Number two, I would make the case that there have been two years where Notre Dame was a quarterback away from competing for a championship. Uh, I would make that case. And and my case would be 2018, 2017. Uh, I really believe that. The 2019 team, maybe, maybe. I still think that team had a couple other holes. But that 2019 team – with the defense of defensive line they had, quality secondary, solid linebackers, but the D line was really good. The O line was oh yeah, okay. Skill players, Cole Komet, Chase Claypool, running back, not so much. Quarterback, I mean, if you had a better quarterback than Ian Book, how much better really would you have been? <clears throat> Maybe they're a playoff team. I think is kind of where I look at it, but I don't think they're a championship team just because they have a better quarterback. If we're being honest and objective, I don't. I don't think the 2020 team is a championship team. If you, you know, like I've said this, if you, if you take Notre Dame's 2018 team and you give them any of the other three quarterbacks in the playoffs that year, Tua Tungvaloa, Trevor Lawrence, Kyler Murray, that team wins the championship, that Notre Dame team. I feel the 2017 team would have had a chance for that. 2017 team would have had a chance for that as well, Ryan, but for different reasons. The 2018 team was legitimately a really good football team outside of quarterback, in my opinion. 2017, it was more of they were a flawed team, but so was everybody else in the playoff that year, you know? And and so I, I say, hey, you, you give them in 2017, you know, what quarterback would you want to trade in the playoff? You know what I mean? Like you you look at that, it was a Kelly Bryant at quarterback for Clemson. You had, you had uh, I mean, Baker Mayfield, you know, would that be the guy? Like if you give him Baker Mayfield in 2017, yeah, Notre Dame's pretty flipping good. But it was more about, Everybody was flawed that year, not just not just Notre Dame, which is kind of how I project 2023 to be, to be completely honest with you, which makes this, this a very intriguing conversation. So that's what we're going to kind of discuss today, as Ryan said, is, is the quarterback position. That's where we got to start, because that is a position in a lot of instances, Ryan, that has been holding Notre Dame back. And it's a position looking for an upgrade, right? And it's all about yes. upgrading. Like, like, check it out. I upgraded my chair, right? My wife bought me a new chair, so it's not going to be as squeaky when I'm moving around, a lot more comfortable. But, you know, that's the thing is getting it to that next level, getting it to where you're competing for championships. And I think Notre Dame cannot compete for a championship until it gets its quarterback position at the high level. Because here's the deal, Ryan. I don't think Notre Dame is ever going to have the talent where it can win a championship with Stetson Bennett. That that's the reality of it. I, I just they can't win a championship with a Jacob Coker, in my right. opinion. They're just not that kind of team. And just like Clemson was never that kind of team. Clemson can't win a championship without Deshaun Watson or Trevor Lawrence, a, a guy like that, right? And that's where Notre Dame needs to get to. 
in my opinion, is the, is the quarterback play has to be elevated to a much higher level than it has been in recent years. And I think that Notre Dame is on the verge uh, of that happening as we, as we dive into the whole thing. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline begin Ryan by saying, look, it's obvious Notre Dame's got to get better play quarterback. Can they? That's what we're going to discuss. But we're going to begin each one of these breakdowns with a look at it from a coaching standpoint, because we always spend so much time on the players. Oh, the players aren't good enough, or the whatever the case may be. And we're going to talk about coaching and the, the way we're going to, to we're going to do a lot of introducing these topics this time. So that way we don't have to keep redoing it the next time. And so people understand what we're discussing. And it's not going to be so much looking at the past although we'll have mentions of it, but it's more so, okay, what do we need to see in 2023? Right. And is this coach capable of, of achieving what needs to be done in 2023? And that's where the conversation is going to be. So that means we begin with Tommy Reese. I don't know if there's a more polarizing figure on the Notre Dame football team or program than Tommy Reese. And you have the people that, it really doesn't matter what Notre Dame does next year. If they go out next year and score 44 points a game and win a championship, it's going to be, well, it's because Marcus Freeman. It's not because of Tommy Reese. He'll get no credit for it. And then there's other people that are willing to defend every bad game that he has and, and put it's not because of him. It's because of this. It's because of that. It's because of the other thing. And you get these wild extremes, and it makes it really hard to have a, a constructive conversation about Tommy Reese, who I think is better than his detractors have made him out to be, and st- but still has a lot to prove. Yes, And I think the, the part we talk a lot about is the coordinator part. The quarterback coaching part is just as important for Tommy Reese in 2023. And I think that the, when I look at what, what has been, I think it's been of a mixed bag. And I think anyone being an objective needs to be able to look and say, you know, I think he got everything out of Ian Book that that Ian Book could give. I, I just I don't think there's anything he could have done to make Ian Book process information faster, be more willing to take chances. I think he you saw the evolution of Jack Cohn, who threw for I think more yards in his one year at Notre Dame than he threw for his whole career at Wisconsin. Threw, definitely threw for, well. It was actually just a shade under what he threw mm-hmm. for his career at Wisconsin. 
but threw for more touchdown passes in one year at Notre Dame than he did at Wisconsin and did that with a, a not very good offensive line. But then there's been other years where I don't think he's necessarily did a great job of developing a player. I don't think he did a great job of Phil Dracovic, right? I've said that plenty of times. I don't think he did necessarily a great job of Drew Pine this year, although I think by the end of the year he had finally figured out how to reach Drew, and it was more effective. So now he's got a very interesting situation in front of him, Ryan, because he's got a veteran quarterback with a ton of experience that is going to need a mechanical adjustment similar to what Jack Cohn made going from a different offense. Mm-hmm. But one of the, the things that impressed me about what Jack Cohn is you took a kid who was an under center play action pass, 21 personnel guy and turned him into a shotgun quarterback in a pretty quick period of time. Sam Hartman is a shotgun quarterback, but a shotgun quarterback that came with a whole different set of mechanics than what he's going to have at Notre Dame. So how quickly can you get him ready to go? And I don't think that should be overstated because Sam Hartman, to me, is not a plug-and-play quarterback from the standpoint of you just plug him in and he plays the exact same way he has at Wake Forest. He's going to have to make a schematic adjustment and a mechanical adjustment that's going to determine just how good he's going to be. That's step one for Tommy Reese. Step two is can you do that while also making sure that you're developing the talented kids behind him, the Tyler Buckners, the Kenny Minchies, and those kind of guys. That's not an easy challenge for quarterbacks, Coach, because they all have different needs. Tyler Buckner's needs as a player are a lot different than Sam Hartman's needs for a player. So Tom Reese is going to bear, is very much going to be challenged, and how he does this year as a position coach, forget the coordinator part for a second. We'll have that conversation another day. <clears throat> how he does as a position coach this year is going to go a long way towards determining how successful the offense as a whole can be, not just this year, but next year, because how well he coaches up Tyler Buckner this year, if we're for the sake of argument in this show, we're going to ar- we're going to just kind of work with the assumption that Sam Hartman starts a quarterback and kind of go from there. If Tyler Buckner beats him out, we'll have that conversation. But we're just going to, for the sake of argument, go with that thought today. If he coaches Tyler, if he can get Tyler Buckner coached up this year as the number two quarterback, whether it be as a, a role on the field or whatever, you know, so, so rotational role, but more so as a pocket passer, then we're not only going to see this team have success this year at quarterback, but it's going to be poised to have a lot more next year as well. And that's going to be the key for Tommy Reese. And that's the challenge in front of him this year. And it's not an easy task. Well, and I, I think that just overall, Sam Hartman's a little bit of a litmus test for Coach Reese, right? Because, I mean, you, you make a valid point, Brian. Like, it is a Different system, obviously. It's different mechanical procedures for running that offense, obviously. But at the the at the baseline, you're still talking about a quarterback that threw 110 touchdowns in his career, right? So you have he has he's a talented kid. He's been very productive at Wake Forest, obviously. And as long as he assimilates to the system, you would think that he would also be a very talented and productive quarterback for Notre Dame. That would be the assumption. You have to actualize it, obviously. But, I mean, starting at the very top, Tommy Reese has to show that he can take a kid in a year, which he did with Jack Cohn. So you you have some – I mean, I have some confidence that it's going to happen. I haven't really – and I haven't had any negativity in that regard at all, right? So you need to be able to take a kid that has been very productive in a certain system, assimilate him, and then get the same type of production out of him, but maybe cut down on a few turnover-worthy plays, right? Like, you need to get that out of him. And I think that Tommy has the ability to do that, but, I mean – sorry, go ahead, Brian. No, no, keep going. 
I'm trying to saying, get better at letting people finish. Talking. It's one of my two twenty, my 2023 resolutions. Is I can interject my point after you're done. So I apologize. Fair, fair. That's why I'm muting fair. myself so much more now. <laughs> gotcha. That's how. I, that's why I mute myself as well. So I don't do that as well. But yes, it is a. <laughs> it's it's a, it's a tough habit to break, man. Because I like to hear myself talk as well. So it's it's, <laughs> well, it's one not of those- I like to hear myself talk. It's just it's stream of thought. Like hold on, before you move on to that point. Yes. Let's talk about this point, but now we've already broken off that point again. So please yeah. get back on track. So then I can I'm sorry, have man. my conversation with I'm us sorry. that point. It's all good. <laughs> but if you assimilate correctly to the new offense, you have the baseline, the athleticism, the the ability that he has to process, the arm strength that he has, the the talent that he has as a thrower, right? Like you have all that stuff. As long as Sam Hartman's able to, you know, get into the the groove and to be fundamentally sound into the system, which again, Tommy Reese has done in the past. He did with Jack Cohn, like you said, and he got a lot out of Jack Cohn. So I think that he's going to get a lot out of Sam Hartman. And that is the most important thing for 2023, right? Like you need to get the most out of Sam Hartman and you need to get the, the production, you know, maybe not, maybe not quite as similar, but you need to get the consistency at that position that you have been lacking. You know, certainly throughout the course of, you know, the last few years, at least from a year to year standpoint. So that's very important. But I think you made a great point that behind him, you have three different quarterbacks now that are all different from one another, right? Like they don't all kind of fit into the same box. Can they do some of the same things? Absolutely. Can they fit into some of the same system uh, terminology and philosophy? No doubt about it. But you have. Sam Hartman, who's a 6'1", 210-pound quarterback that's an RPO style, that likes to throw the deep ball, that has got a little bit of a gunslinger in him, to a Tyler Buckner, who's a little bit more of a talented thrower from an arm strength perspective, but he's a much better athlete. He's going to use his legs a lot more. To a Kenny Minchie that is a little bit of the first style, but a little bit of a stronger arm maybe than what Sam Hartman is. And to a Steve Angeli, who is just a pretty solid player at a lot of different things, right? So you prototypical are, quarterback kind of guy. Right. You're maintaining a room with a lot of different styles, a lot of different personalities as well. And you're gonna have to really develop this room because this is this is the future. It's not only the present, it's not only 2023, it's also the future. If you do a great job with a Tyler Buckner, hopefully he is the 2024 guy that we think that he can be, right? And then hopefully after that, it's the Kenny Minchie into CJ Carr show when he gets into the building as well. So you're hopeful for the full length of development because it isn't just 2023. You have your bridge stopgap, whatever you want to call them. I know that there's negative connotations around that, but you have a one-year player that is going to play in the NFL that has an opportunity to elevate you in in his one in his one season in 2023. But you're also now grooming what's the next step. After that, 2024, 2025, you need to get the best out of this room because this has been one of the rooms that has kind of held Notre Dame back at points from being a championship-level team. Ryan, when I when I look at this group, the, the one thing that I that I look at, I, I think that what I would say, is I don't think they all do certain parts of the system. I think they can all run this offense. But to your point, some of them are going to run the offense differently. There's really three types in the room right now. Kenny Minchie and Sam Hartman, to me, are cut from the same cloth. I think Kenny Minchie has more physical tools than Sam Hartman. But as far as the style of play, the things they do, what they bring to the game, very similar. Steve Angeli's a little bit different. Steve Angeli's more of a Jack Cohn, you know, drop-back passer, more mobile than Jack Cohn, definitely more mobile than Jack Cohn. But, but, you know, that similar type of player, not the big, you know, 
elite tools, but you know, more of a prototypical quarterback. And then, of course, there's Tyler Buckner, who's the all-around guy. But sometimes you say, well, that's the future. Well, you're a, a, a knee, ankle, elbow injury away from the future being the present. And that's the other reason why it's so important to, to do a good job coaching your depth now because your depth may become your starter like that. And that's that's another thing that adds to this is, you, you know, there's no excuse like this year. I'm willing to give Tommy Reese a bit of a not a pass because that's not really the word I'm looking for. I'm trying to remember, the you know, like think of really the way that I'm looking for. But it's not so much a pass as much as it's just. OK, I'm going to give you a, a mulligan. I'm going to give you another shot to, to show me something next year because. You were working with a backup quarterback. There was a question about why you ended up here in the in the in the show in the message the message mailbag, which we'll get to. But the reality is, is you were with a backup quarterback who is limited physically, and, and and limited experientially. You know there were some things that that Drew Pine did not do this year that I expect Drew Pine to do next year or the year after that because of the experience that he gained this year. Next year, you don't have that excuse. You didn't have Tyler Buckner. It was a very, like, once Buckner went down, the room was like, okay, Drew Pine, Steve Angeli, Ron Paulus. <clears throat> now you're talking about a guy that by week three was your backup quarterback is going to be competing to be your number three, number four quarterback next year. You know, and, and so that's kind of how you look at it and say, there's no excuse this year, talent-wise. Even if you have an injury like you did last year, you're putting a pretty good football player on the field. Whether that's Tyler Buckner starting and you put Sam Hartman in or Sam Hartman starts and you put Tyler Buckner in. And for the purpose of this conversation, it's Sam Hartman starts. And that's the thing. And that's why you've got to coach your depth. And so he's got a lot to prove this year, right? He's got to prove that he can get his quarterbacks as the coordinator. He can get his quarterbacks to, to grasp the offense the way that he does without getting some of the the mental paralysis that we've seen from, from some other quarterbacks in the past. I think some of that is due to the quarterbacks. I mean, it's like Jack Cohn in one year was able to master the offense in a way from a reads and a checks and a throw in the ball standpoint in, in a way Ian Book couldn't for three years in a way that Drew Pine never did. So I'm supposed to believe that that all came from the Paul Christ offense? Uh-uh. No, it didn't. It's because Jack had a, a mental acumen. Like if Jack Cohn had Ian Book's arm and athleticism, he's a much higher draft pick, in my opinion. Much higher draft pick. Because this part was really good. This part was really good. Now you've got kids, to me, that your talent level has gone way up from what we've seen outside of three games the last two years. And and I would even argue one because I don't think Tyler Buckner's talent shined in the first two games last year because of inexperience, other factors in it. So it there's 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 not going to be the same. You know, I'll give you this one next year that I was willing to do with Tommy Reese this year because of the circumstances. Now part of that is the circumstances based on how the position had been recruited under his tutelage. We'll get into that later. Yeah. But moving forward, I think it's it's a great opportunity for him to kind of silence some of the critics others won't if if sam hartman comes out this year and rips it up let's be real there's going to be people in this chat and on twitter will say well that's because he was already ready made oh yeah he came here and to a degree that's true mm -hmm. to a degree that's true so that's fine it is what it is but the reality is is 
it's still important to this team's success, but also getting Tyler Buckner ready to play. That's the first quarterback that you can look at and say, that's the guy that Tommy Reese recruited, developed, and put onto the field that he's going to really have a quarterback as a starter when you look at the 2024 season. Right. Or if he has to take over in 2023. And that's where his development is truly going to be gauged and evaluated. He's got a very important role to play with Sam Hartman in 2023. But from a quarterback development standpoint, he's not going to get the respect that you want or the reputation that you need until he can show he can do it with the guy that he recruited. And that may not come on the field until 2024, but the foundation for that success was laid during the two months that Tyler was out this year and going to be through next year. It's going to be very, very important for that. Number one, convincing Tyler to stay. Number two, making sure you're investing the time into him to make sure you're getting him ready to be a stud if his time is called now or if his time isn't called until Texas A&M in 2024. You know, one other thing that I think that we'll be be able to evaluate of Coach Reese, and this is a little more, I guess, behind the scenes type of stuff, right, is that you also have to manage a lot of different personalities that are going to be in very different situations, right? I mean, first and foremost, you have Sam Hartman coming over as a six-year player. He was the unquestioned leader at Wake Forest, right? Like, he was the guy. He was the captain. He's coming to Notre Dame now, and in one season, we know that that can be a tough transition for some guys, right? To finish up the grad transfer thing, do one year, and to become a part of the team, and then to be able to be a leader of that team in only one season, right? Like, that can be tough. And then also, if you're talking about Tyler Buckner, a guy who was the starting quarterback to start this year, has gone through a lot, obviously, with the injury and coming back. If he is not the starter, especially, you know, if it's during – fall camp you're just like you know it's sam right like that's it's kind of the foregone conclusion how do you manage that personality to get him to buy in right and you mentioned you know not transferring sticking it out but how do you get him to buy in when he's a little deflated from not potentially winning the starting job and then you also have kenny minchie coming in who's a true freshman who you also have to get a part of the program right you have to make him fit in and feel like he is getting developed the proper way what is the track to you helping us potentially in the future so you have three of three four different quarterbacks including steve angeli who's now going from year one to that year two transition which is usually a big jump for a lot of guys from that year one to year two so you have four guys that are all in very different situations that you're going to also have to manage a lot of different personalities and a lot of different situations. It's not easy, and I think that's one of the underrated things we don't talk about coaching enough is that you're managing a lot of different personalities in a room, which can be difficult. One of the challenges, too, is is developing those guys that are maybe not viewed to be the future, and that would be like Steve Angeli, for example. So, Ryan, I, I think a big year for Tommy Reese in a lot of ways, as a position coach, as a coordinator, there's no doubt. He's going to be a guy that continues to catch fire. And and with some, it's there's never going to be anything he can do. I mean, there's some people that still think he threw too many interceptions as a quarterback, so there's nothing he can do as a coordinator that's going to change their mind. It's it's kind of absurd, but it's just the reality of, of what it is. They always say, you know, we want, we want Notre Dame guys. Well, that guy played here and has coached here his entire career. That's about as much of a Notre Dame guy as you're going to freaking get. But it's just with some people, they're never going to give him credit. And with other people, they're just going to always excuse when things don't go well. That's just the and nature he, of this he, animal. And he's a Chicago yeah. kid too, right? So like right. he is. Right. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. 
let's dive into the makeup of the current roster, Ryan. And I think this is, the, you know, just kind of from a just an easy glance. I mean, the, the the improvement in talent over the last year is enormous, and and it's really threefold. Well, re- number one, your young guys last year are now a year older. In the Tyler Buckner's case, he's got a year of experience. Steve Angeli's going to be a year older. You have an incoming freshman in Kenny Minchie that adds much-needed improvement to your depth chart. I mean, you're going from Kenny Minchie potentially being your fourth quarterback this year, and last year was Ron Paulus. And at one point in time last year, Ron for much of last year, Ron Paulus was your number three quarterback. And in the bowl game, yeah, in the bowl game, he was number three even still. So outside of the first two weeks, Ron Paulus was your number three quarterback. Next year, he slides down to five, which is – you know, speaks to the to the incoming depth because you're you lose Drew Pine, great kid, great leader, not a great talent. You in, bring in a guy like Kenny Minchie, who is a significantly more talented player. You have the experience jump that you're going to get from Tyler Buckner and Steve Angeli, and then of course you add Sam Hartman. So this is as good as the quarterback room has been, in my opinion, since probably probably twenty. I mean, really. It might be the best it's been in a long time because there was always some weird carryover. So like 2015, the quarterback room was in a really good place going into the season opener. But then once Malik Zaire went down, it was not in a very good place because then you had redshirt freshman Deshaun Kaiser as your starter. And then you had true freshman Brandon Wimbush as your backup. In 2016, it was a mess because of everything's going on. But from a talent standpoint, it was really good. So from a talent standpoint, I'd have to say this is the best the quarterback room has been since 2016, in my opinion. When you just look at the ability, the physical God-given ability, taking away all the drama of that 2016 season, which was mainly created by the coach. I think this is the best position it's been since 2016. And there, there can be there can be no doubt, there can be no doubt that the talent is there for this quarterback position to take a big jump. And that's something, Ryan that I look at, I don't think people realize how limited this team was by quarterback play this year. I I really don't think people grasp that. Now, some of it could be, well, the coach should have done this, this, this. That's all fine. But how they use the quarterback this year, this offense was incredibly limited in what it could or couldn't do. Next year, that changes. Yes. And they were in the Ohio State game. They were in the USC game. They should have beat Marshall. They should have beat Stanford. All that should have, but didn't. And a big part of it is they weren't good enough at quarterback. It wasn't alone in some of those games. The defense wasn't good enough to beat USC either. So they, they, they weren't alone in that game. But if the quarterback play is what it should be, they're minimum 10 and 2 next year, last year, minimum. Ohio State game, maybe still a loss. I mean, I can't put that all in the quarterback because I thought Tyler Buckner played good football that game. The offensive line stunk, the receivers didn't help him. And the defense couldn't stop the run late. But the quarterback play still wasn't good enough in that game. So 10-2 and two minimum if the quarterback play is just good. Not great, just good. Well, then I expect it to be minimum good in 2023, Ryan, based on the talent they have here. The question will be, can it get beyond good? That's going to determine if this is another 10-2, and 11-1 season where they're pretty good. Or is it a situation where, okay, this team finally takes that jump gets to the playoff and maybe wins a game this time right. or maybe competes for a championship. It's all, a lot of it's going to be determined by this position because great quarterback play can overcome a lot of 
issues. And bad quarterback play can 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 mask a lot of good play. And I think the national title game is an example of that. TCU had guys getting open just as frequently as Georgia did. The difference, Georgia's quarterback made those throws. TCU's didn't. Now, Georgia was going to win that game. Mm-hmm. But it would have been a lot more entertaining for a while <laughs> if Max Dugan didn't play so poorly. But then there's lots of games during the season where Max Dugan was a primary reason that they were winning games. So you can see how one team can look so different because of how the quarterback plays. And yeah. that was true in the in the Big 12 title game as well. And and so he played played his heart out, just didn't play well as a thrower. So to me, Ryan, how good the quarterback play is could mask some of the things that we may point to now as being well, I'm not sure how they are here. That can be masked if you get big-time quarterback play. Will they get that this year? I don't know. But it's possible. And I don't know if I could have said that last year going into the season with Tyler Buckner as a first-year player. And once he got hurt, it was not possible. Right. You were just, hey, just get that W was the key. And it's different now. Well, I mean, there's a reason that quarterback is the most important position in sports, right? Because it is the ultimate elevator. You know, it really is. I mean, it can make average talent look good. It can make good talent look really good. It can make really good talent look elite. Like, that's kind of what a quarterback position could do. But also, it could drag you down, you know, to your point, right? Like, I do think that there was, for a large portion of 2022, there was a, you know, there was just a feeling of, I don't think the quarterback can really elevate right now, right? Like they can't take it to the next level. You have to win games in some different ways. And you went through that. But I think now, Brian, I mean, you had two quarterbacks in the room that one makes you more talented just off the rip, right? Now, I mean, you mentioned already your four, your four string quarterback potentially is either going to be Kenny Minchie or Steve Angeli. Last year it was Ron Paulus the third, right? Like, I mean, I don't have to say anything to say that that's, you know, that's a significant jump in talents. You know, that's that you now have four players at the top of the step chart that were considered by at least a few, well, by every service, I believe. I think Angeli was considered pretty much a unanimous four star player, consensus four star across the board, right? Like, you have that close. type of talent. Yeah, he was close. He, he yeah. was definitely that on the composite list. I mean, I don't exactly. know if like maybe one outlet has him a three star or not, right. but yeah, he right. was. I believe he was a a four star on the composite, the two four seven yeah. composite list. Yeah, so I mean, you have four players that were significant recruits, right? For for you know, in a vacuum, right? You have four four star plus quarterbacks. I mean, Sam Hartman was. I mean, again, you're not just bringing in a talented quarterback in the room; you're bringing in a talented quarterback in the room that has been there, done that. I mean, 110 touchdown passes in his career, 122 touchdowns. And he's won some football games at Wake Forest, right? I mean, like he's done a, a really good job. And I think that consistency is the biggest thing that you're going to get from him. Like he's been there. You're not going to rattle him. He's been an ACC championship game. Like he, he's been at that level, right? Like he's seen it. He's played well. He's had good numbers. He's thrown the football a ton. The experience thing, I mean, because you were – if you didn't get Sam Hartman and let's say you struck out on, on transfer level quarterbacks, which I don't think would have happened. I mean, you're coming back this year with six career touchdown passes in your room outside of Sam Hartman. Right. right? So, or, that, or Ryan, yeah. if you would have got like the kid that UCLA got, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, the kid from North Texas, like, okay. Yeah. There's some production there, but like, it doesn't really move your room forward. Exactly. Really what those guys are bringing their insurance in case Tyler gets hurt again. 
That's really mm-hmm. what those guys would have been. Yeah. Where to your point now, you're bringing in a legitimate all ACC caliber quarterback that's put up really good numbers and played in some big games. The games, yep. the magnitude of what have played in their name, no. But it's not the kind of jump that it would be from a guy that's playing in high school or never played or a guy that was playing in Western Kentucky last year. Right. That's the I difference. Mean- yeah, exactly. Like he's not playing his big game is against Middle Tennessee State, right? Like no all due respect to Middle Tennessee State. It's against Clemson, right? Like there's a right. difference there. There's a Correct. huge difference. Correct. So you get that consistency, a little bit more of a known product. Well, not a little bit more, a lot of more of a known product. And also you bring in a guy like Kenny Minchie, who I mean, he's one of you know your most talented throwers on the on the roster now, right? So bringing in that four-man group now at the top. It's the best situation Notre Dame's been in a while. And I think that you just sit there and you now say there's insurance, right? Like you, you don't go, if you lose, like when you lost Tyler Buckner last year, it's like, man, you try to figure something new out here, right? Like Drew Pine just isn't that guy. Right. And then it's like in the bowl game, like even then you're like Steve Angeli is now your backup in this situation. Steve Angeli is going to be your third or fourth stringer next year, which is just wild to think. And you now have answers like, God forbid Sam Hartman goes down, for instance. You, you think that Tyler Butler's going to be all right. Like he's right. he's going to be able to play football and, and be productive for you. Like You have answers. You have insurance. You have numbers in that room, and that's what you need because the more talented players you get in a certain spot, the more opportunity you have to be really good at that position. Like That's just a, that's just a basic thing. You, you know, It's like the more, more shots you have to take, the more opportunities that you have to make a basket. That's just where we are right now. So let's look at Sam Hartman specifically, Ryan. As we kind of look in, into at this team, I, I think we'll dive into even more specifics as we get closer to March and we get closer to spring ball starting. Obviously, the Blue Gold game will be April 22nd, so whether they start beginning of March is going to be determined by whether or not they want to take their do what they did in the past, which is start spring ball, then take a spring break, and then get back to it, which I hate. Or if they decide to wait till after spring ball or after spring practice and or spring break and do it then. Either way, you know, we'll see here soon. But look, Sam Hartman's got a very interesting um, climb to make here because it's not just about his talent. It's not just about his ability. It's not just about those things. It's also about he's got to establish himself as a presence in the locker room, which can be challenging for a guy who is at the age that he, you know, he is and the fact that he's new and the fact that. He's going to come in wanting to command the the locker room the way he did at Wake Forest, but he doesn't have the relationships he had there. So you still need to do it, but then there's a way to do it where it can be off-putting and then a way to do it where you ingratiate yourself to the players and you know the work ethic. I mean, all those things, he's going to be under a microscope, not just from media and fans, but he's going to be under a microscope from the players. Because if you're going to come in here and be our starting quarterback and beat out a guy that you know we've, we've bled, bled and sweat with, then we're going to need to know that you, you're 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 invested in this thing. You're not just coming here to improve your draft stock, but you're coming here to work with us to win a championship. And that's a big thing is how he goes about handling himself this offseason and forget the improving himself as a player, but just getting himself to be a guy that the players rally around, which they did with Jack Cohn, is, is something that often is, gets overlooked in these type of situations is does he – get himself to where the players are like, hey, I know we're not stupid. We know he wants to improve his draft stock. But this kid is going to work every day because he wants to win a championship just like we do. And that's the thing that's very important for Sam Hartman to prove to his teammates. Otherwise, there's not going to be the buy-in with him that you need to have around your quarterback. 
And so we'll we'll dive more into the specifics of how he fits into the offense, these things later. But I think that's the biggest thing this offseason for me for Sam Hartman is look, the mechanical stuff will come. That I'm not worried about that. Maybe, maybe the first week of spring ball, he's off target a lot because he's fixing his mechanics, he's learning new receivers and all that kind of stuff. By the time we get to August, I'm not worried about that. Mm-hmm. The the thing is, and it's not that I'm concerned about it, but it's just until it happens, it's a question mark. Has he fit into the room? How does he fit in with the team? Are going to be very, very important parts of, of how this goes. Does he earn the respect of his teammates to the point where they name him a captain or not? Like, that's going to be something I'm very curious about. They don't have to. They didn't want Jack Cohn, and I understood why. It's okay. But but it it will say a lot. You know, and I think that's going to be the thing for me, Ryan, when I look at Sam Hartman, that that we're going to talk about a lot of other things between now and next season about throwing mechanics and accuracy and ball placement, a deep ball and run the offense. But if this part isn't, isn't answered, then that's going to go a long way towards determining just how good he can be or how limited he's going to be to really take this team to a championship. Because here's the reality of it. When you're playing Ohio state and, you know, in your, on your own stadium and they come into play and it's the fourth quarter and you're down three and you need a drive the teams that win in those situations are the ones that look to the guy behind the center and say, I need to do my job because if I do, that guy's going to win us this game. I need to run my route like my life depends on it because he's going to get me the ball. I need to block like my life depends on it because I know he's going to get the ball to the guy over there. I need to step up and make this play. I need to step up and make this block. I need to step up and make this catch because I believe in him. And that, to me, is going to be the biggest thing. Or, like, I I, I remember talking to a, a – it was a Notre Dame coach, actually, about the Georgia game in 2019. And he said, I was standing there on the sideline, and we had just gotten a ball in midfield with two minutes left, and I looked around, and I just didn't see it. I didn't see it in their eyes that they truly believed they were about to go out there and do this thing. And I think a lot of that comes down to quarterback. And has he earned that trust that, hey, you guys done messed up now. You 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 let us stay in the game. You you shouldn't have done that. Because, you know, we got we got number 10 back there and we're about to go do this thing. And I don't think that was always present in the past. And this is going to be the opportunity for this this time between starting starting today at, when the players report and start everything to game one. That's going to be priority number one, in my opinion, for Sam Hartman. If he wants to be the reason this team takes the next step, and it's not just, well, this year helps us get ready for next year when Tyler's that guy. If he wants to be that guy, then it's going to be that aspect that's going to really make it to where, okay, he is the guy because he earned the respect and the trust of the team during the season. And here's the other part. If Sam Hartman is that guy, then Tyler Buckner is going to feel a lot better about maybe not starting. When you are not when you're not starting behind a guy that you don't think has earned that job, that's when you want to transfer. Right. It's like this is bullcrap. I've outplayed this guy. I've outworked this guy. He's doing this. He's doing that. And he's just starting because he's a veteran or he's a transfer or they promise him something. When you know a guy like okay, yeah, that guy. I I, I was talking to a a parent of a of a Notre Dame player at corner who's an older player, and he was like. Yeah, my my kid's totally good with working through it because he knows he's going to get his chance. He he feels he's being developed by Coach Mickens, but it was also like, but he understood why Ben Morrison was playing. 
And it didn't take the rest of the, the locker, the, the unit to realize that dude's different, right? So he's not talking about transferring because, oh, I got beat up. I, I'm leaving. No, it's like, I'm going to get my shot. And there's a pretty good dude in front of me who does things right way, works hard and all that. Same thing a quarterback. If you feel Sam Hartman's been given this position and didn't have to earn it, then yeah, you're gonna you're gonna be in your feelings and, and rightfully so, and you're gonna want to bail. But if you're like, yo, this kid's pretty good and I can learn something from him. This is him being here, I'd I'd rather play, but I'm gonna take advantage of this because I'm gonna learn from this dude and it's gonna make me a better quarterback next year and the year after that. And that's why I think Sam Hartman conducting himself that way where he earns and commands that respect in the locker room is going to be every bit as important, if not more so, than anything he does when it comes to picking up the offense and improving his footwork and recruit improving his mechanics. Beyond just how he executes, this is the most important. These two things, 1A, 1B, how he performs and can he, can he develop, get that command of the team. And I'm talking about like knowing where everybody goes, but just that respect where they look to him and say, that's our general. That's so incredibly important in football. Stetson Bennett was able to do that, right? Mac Jones was able to do that. Trevor Lawrence was able to do that. The great ones, the guys that are champions are able to do that. Even the ones who don't have the tremendous God-given ability of a Deshaun Watson or a Trevor Lawrence or you know guys along those lines. But it's the guys that you say, hey, I will go to – war with this guy can trevor or can can sam hartman get that out of his teammates in the next eight months that's going to be a big big part of this whole conversation moving forward right well and i think that his play on the field and in the practice field can also elevate not only his the team around him from a wide receiver perspective offensive line perspective from a team just in general perspective but i think you said it brian like tyler if if tyler does buy into it Tyler Buckner, he can learn a lot from Sam Hartman, man. Like he's been there, right? Like he's thrown 77 touchdowns in two years. He can kind of figure out what's made this guy successful. You've thrown what am I three. Missing? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's <laughs> For your career. Right. right. I mean, and that's, that's where it could be beneficial to not only the rest of the team, not only the offense, but to the quarterback room. Like it can be. And it's so important, especially at the court, because like, let's take one of the other guys that are transferring in, right? Like, Javante Jean-Baptiste. Like, I think we both believe that he'll be a key contributor for Notre Dame this year, that will play football and will give them good production. But the fact of the matter is, is that he's a defensive end, so he can kind of settle into the back, right, a little bit. He's not going to be in front of the camera. He's not going to be in front of the microphone consistently. Sam Hartman is a quarterback. And inherently, no matter what you want to say about it, whether he has the C on his chest or he doesn't have the C on his chest, he's a leader. He is. Guys are going to look to him because that is – quarterbacks are the guys, right? And they are an inherent leader. So whether he's ready to do it or not, he is going to be looked at as that guy by this team if he wins the starting job. And he'll have to step up to the plate. He'll have to take that step, and he'll have to lead by example because the team needs him to do that, right? Whoever the quarterback is – they need them to do that. And I think that you look at Sam Hartman and you say, four-year starter, has played a lot of football, been successful, been an all-ACC kid, has played in an ACC championship. Like you would think that he would be able to make that move and make it well and be able to buy, make get guys to buy into him. But until you see it, it is a question mark. It is because 
some guys' personalities don't mesh well together sometimes, right? Sometimes a guy comes in and he's a little bit standoffish because he knows that he's only going to be there for a year. I don't think that's going to be the case for Sam Hartman. I think that players are going to buy into him. But at the end of the day, you're bringing in a kid at the most important position on your football team for one year, right? Like he's not going to be here for four years. You're not going to have to develop this relationship and give it time to develop a deep, deep relationship. You have a year to get to know Sam Hartman and to see what makes him tick and what he could do and how he fits into the culture of the program. So I think it's very important because that is, again, with whether he has the captain, the seal on the chest or he does not, Sam Hartman needs to be a leader of your football team next right. year. He has to be. If not, it's a failure. It's a the failure. quarterback's the captain no matter he's got the C on his chest or not. On yes. the field on Saturday afternoons or evenings or whatever, he's he's the the leader of the offense, right? Like if he's in the huddle talking, no one with a C on his chest says, hold on a second, I want to talk now. No, hold on a second. You can take that C, you know, shine it up real nice, turn it sideways and stick it up, you know, because I'm the quarterback, right? That's the reality of it. And, and he, but, but that's gotta be earned because if you're trying to be that way and I don't respect you, you know what? I'm going to be like this when you're talking. So that's going to be an interesting part of this. There's nothing about Sam Hartman that makes me think he won't be that way from what we know. But again, it's still got to be proven. Then, then you look at Tyler Buckner and how, how he develops over the next year is going to be so incredibly important. It will not shock me if at some point in time this year, Notre Dame needs Tyler Buckner to come off the bench and play. I mean, they're they're going to. I mean, Sam Hartman's been knocked out of games before. There's yeah. going to be games where, you know, look, I mean, the whole reason that you're bringing Sam Hartman in is because you're trying to win a championship. Mm-hmm. Well, part of that is if you're not playing well in a game and we might lose the game, guess what? Um, I got to put the other guy in if it's going to help us win a game. And that's the, this isn't about feelings. This is about winning games, right? right? And and so that may create that may create tension or whatever. I don't really care. But the reality is, is I got to do what I need to do to win this game. Right. If they do that, then you know you've got to develop Tyler Buckner accordingly. But then the other part of that too is, is is Tyler Buckner has to be locked in up here. And that's going to be the interesting part is, you know, I fully expect Tyler Buckner to go out this spring and bow his butt off. And the challenge is going to be a whole lot different for him than it was last year. He was clearly the most talented quarterback in the room last year. Clearly. There was there was never a real quarterback battle last year. We, we said this for a long time. Tyler Buckner's going to be the starter unless he gets hurt. There was never really a doubt. And and this year it's it's going to be more of a legitimate battle, but it's Sam Hartman's job to lose, really. I mean, if we're being honest with you, anyone that says it's not a real quarterback battle is just they don't know what they're talking about. I can assure you that Tyler Buckner is going to be given a chance to beat Sam Hartman out. And if he's clearly the better quarterback throughout the spring and fall camp, he will be the starter. That's not the anticipation, though. The anticipation is not that he will play that way. But if he's clearly your best quarterback, they're going to play him. I just don't see him being clearly the best quarterback with Sam Hartman on the roster. So he's going to battle and it's going to make him if he if he battles with the right mindset, it's going to make him such a better coach. Such a better coach or player, excuse me. And and he's going to go out there and when his time is called, he's going to be so ready to go out there and turn his potential into big time production. 
whether it's in game three of this year, game 10 of this year, or game one of 2024. So you've got to coach him up. But in an instance like this, where this kid kind of thought he was the guy and now he's not the guy, where is his mindset at? If his mindset's in the right place, this is going to be a great year for Tyler Buckner. And he's going to be a much better player coming out of this than he was going into it, even with the loss of experience that he would gain by being a starter for 12 games in a regular season this year. And so that's going to be an interesting part of it too. But if his number's called, if something happens to Sam Harmon, who missed the opener of this past year with heart issues, what if something like that rears his ugly head again? Yep. He's had injuries in the past, right? More so when he was younger and like a buck 80. I mean, he he was 180 pounds when he got to Wake Forest. I'm, I still remember watching something him against wet. Notre Dame in, tw- in, ni- in 2018, thinking this kid does not belong in this. Like, he's going to get hurt. Right. And they ended up taking, he got, I mean, he kept getting up off the ground. I mean, Notre Dame beat him up in that game. Mm-hmm. I mean, they beat him up and he kept getting off the turf, getting off the turf, getting off the turf. And I gained a lot of respect for him that day, but he eventually had to leave the game and they brought in Jamie Newton because he was getting his brains beat in and not playing well. And they were getting blown out. So he was thrown into the, the fire earlier than he should have, if we're going to be completely right. honest. But it's partly why he became the quarterback he became is because he went through those trials and a kid that, like him could have easily been rattled by all that and be like, I don't want to get hit anymore, you know, but he, it made him tougher, made him better. So, but we don't, we can't guarantee that he's going to be healthy all year. We can't right. Jack Cohn missed time last year. He got banged up a, a, a little bit, right? Tyler Buckner got hurt this year. Ian book's been banged up in the past and has had to grit through some pain because they didn't have another quarterback. So to me, Ryan, I, I look at it and say Tyler Buckner's got to be mentally ready to battle, and if he doesn't win the starting job, to stay locked in and, and prepare. This is the this is one of the most challenging things for a backup quarterback is prepare with the mindset of a starter, and that's where having a veteran like Sam Hartman could really help him if if Tyler's mind is in the right place. I think that it is, but again, just like with Sam Hartman become a leader, it's one thing to say it and to think it and to have evidence that it will be that way. It's another thing to actually go through this and be that way because a quarterback battle can tear a locker room apart if the quarterbacks don't handle it correctly. Right. No matter how bad the coaches F it up, which in 2016 they did, the players involved play a role in that as well. Hey, I don't care what's going on now. Uh, it's like, here's a great example. Joe Milton did not transfer to Tennessee to back up Hendon Hooker. Hmm. He got beat out by Hendon Hooker. But then you hear about the story at the end of the year, this past year, where there was a fight in a locker room, and and it was a it was surrounding Hendon Hooker. But from what we were told and the sources we had, some things that we've read, it was Joe Milton going at a guy who was coming at Hendon Hooker. Right? Like, if there's – if Joe Milton's a, a lesser man – knock him out then i could be certain quarterback you know what i mean like but it's like no 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 this is my role that's my guy you know he's the guy here he's the quarterback when my time comes i'm gonna be raced up up and play joe milton steps up leads them to a 2-0 record at the end of the year beats clemson beats vanderbilt as a starter right his time was called but it's because he had the right mindset as the backup that it prepared him with joe milton may have the better prototypical skills over Tyler Buckner. Tyler Buckner is a much better quarterback, in my opinion, than Joe Milton. And so if Tyler has that right mindset of, 
okay, I gave him my best. Sam's the guy. I'm going to learn from him. I'm going to have his back, and I'm going to be ready when my number's called. Then he's going to be just fine, and this quarterback room is going to be just fine. And that's the thing that kind of gets you excited about. 2023, I feel like landing Sam Hartman exponentially increased the odds that the quarterback position is going to be very good in 23 because it's either going to be Sam Hartman, who's going to have to, you know, look, let's be real. This past couple of years, Sam Hartman's not looking over his shoulder being like, yeah, I can't have a bad week because this dude's really good. With all due respect to Michael Kern, that wasn't a conversation that was being had. He's going to go out there and be like, I need to stop letting number 12 get reps because <laughs> when that dude goes out there, he's really good. That's going to make Sam Hartman better, right? And so no matter who they throw out there, Ryan, you feel like if these kids handle the offseason correctly, Notre Dame's going to be really good at quarterback no matter who's in the game next season. And that's a great place to be, in my opinion. Well, I mean, for Tyler Buckner, I think there's a twofold thing for me that I'm going to be curious watching because I I agree. I think that he is going to compete his butt off and he's going to come ready and he's going to do his best to be the starting quarterback for Notre Dame. I, I do believe that. But the one thing about Tyler is that he is a very, he's a very reserved young man, right? Like he's not a huge talkative guy. Like he just kind of, you know, just does his thing and just whatever, you know, he's not a, he's just a little reserved in that sense. He is going to be pushed for a massive competition here, right? I mean, like you said, last year, it wasn't really a competition between him and Drew Pine. You knew what the answer was going to be as long as Tyler Buckner didn't mess it up, right? As long as there wasn't an injury in fall camp, that type of thing. I want to see Tyler Buckner come out and play a little pissed off. I do want to see that, right? Like I want him to, to compete at a level this winter into the fall where he's competing like he is going to win this starting job. I want to see that. But if he does not win the starting job, which again, it's kind of our assumption right now, I need to see him buy into the role that he is going to be, you know, with the rest of the year, because there is still an opportunity, even if he isn't starting job for him to get a lot out of the season, man, there's a lot to get out of it, right? Maybe you have a full season of staying healthy for starts, right? You're able to keep your body healthy, keep going, you know, continue to build up. You learn from a guy in Sam Hartman who has had a lot of success you also get another vantage point. I mean, I haven't, we have, obviously haven't talked to Tyler directly, but I think he's talked a little bit about, you know, being able to see kind of the vantage point behind Tommy Reese and see how he calls a football game in the box and be able to see that perspective. Well, this is another great perspective. You get to share a room with a guy who has had a lot of success in college. You get to see what he does. And I know he shared a room with Jack Cohn, but again, Jack Cohn was a good player at Wisconsin, you know, a real good player at points. But Sam Hartman's a record-setting quarterback from the school that he played at. So you're able to look at him and say, that guy's had a lot of success. How do I get to that point, right? How do I get to that level of consistency and that level of production? So I think that Tyler Buckner, I, I need to see competitive early. I need to see a guy that doesn't go down swinging. I don't want to see him just kind of fall to the wayside, fall to the background and be like, you know, Sam's the guy. I'll just I'll just ease along in this quarterback competition. Like, no, I want to see some fire out of time. Because if he doesn't. He's not going to be ready when his numbers call. Well, not just that. That's true. Big picture, he's not the guy. Yes. But even more importantly, looking at 2023, he won't Mm -hmm. be ready to come in and play to his potential when his number is called. Again, Sam Hartman could clearly be the best quarterback on the roster. It's how Malik Zaire in 2015 was clearly the best quarterback on the roster. I've said this lots of times. If Malik doesn't get hurt, even with Brian Van Gorder, 
as the defensive coordinator. I think that team's in the playoff. I don't think they win a title because they had Brian Van Gorder as defensive coordinator. Yeah. But that team was could have been really special if Malik doesn't get hurt. He lasted what? One and a half games. That's it. He's a tough kid. He lasted one and a half games, and he had a freaky injury where he made a check, and he runs, and he gets rolled up on, and he's out. It, it, it had nothing to do with the offensive line. Couldn't pass block, or he got beat up, or he was scrambling and got his shoulder hurt, or anything like that. It's just he got somebody fell on his leg wrong. That could happen to anybody. Yep. And so that's the whole point, Ryan, is, is if that happens to Sam Hartman, or if he's going through a stretch against, if he's not playing well, and you need to – you need to be able to call on – if you have to call on Tyler at some point in time, whatever the reason, if he doesn't have that mindset, then he's not going to be ready to play. Exactly. And he's not going to be ready to lead. He's not going to be ready to play at a championship level. And that's why we're today we're talking so much about the psyche of these guys because, we look, there's going to be – we've talked a lot about their talent. We'll talk more about it in the future. But I don't think this part is, is properly understood. And it's going to be up to Tommy Reese as the coach – to manage all those personalities and manage all those expectations and being honest with players about here's where you are and here's what the expectations are and making sure that everybody feels he's invested in them because if every quarterback in the room feels he's invested in them, no matter what their role, then they're going to stick around. That's the reality of it. I said this before, you got a kid who didn't play hardly at all who said that coach is still invested in my kid. Why? Because of his actions in the practice field and in every in everyday life. Other kids who are playing who don't feel that the position coach is invested in them. That's an important thing when it comes to the unity of a room, the health of a room. Yep. Those things are very important. So that's going to – the part's going to be up on Tommy Reese. But then it's up to the players to say, here's what your role is, here's what I need you to go do, and then go do it. And it's very important that – because if one of these two guys doesn't do what's needed, then the room's not as in good of a shape. Because then if Sam's the guy – and he doesn't do what he needs to do to gain the respect of his team, then the offense won't be as good as it needs to be. And if Tyler doesn't do what he needs to do to push Sam Hartman to make him better, which, again, if Tyler works, plays his butt off, plays well, and Sam still beats him out, that also helps create a level of trust in his teammates in Sam Hartman because they're going to like, look, we know what Tyler can do. This guy beat him out. He can ball. And then there's the other part of, hey, can you establish leadership? But they're going to need Tyler to be that guy too because sometimes if you're not the starter, you can be the reason that there is a cancer in the locker room because you're running your mouth to your friends or your friends are coming to you pissed off because you're not the guy and you feed into it. Yeah, this is bull crap. I'm, I'm going to hit the portal. And all of a sudden, there's a split in the locker room. Yep. There it goes. And so it's – or, hey, man, enough with all the noise. I battled my butt off. Dude beat me out. I'm going to be ready when my number's called, but that's our guy. And those things are important to keep in a locker room healthy. And, Ryan, I don't think fans appreciate enough how important stuff like that is to a football team over the course of a 12-game season. And and there are so many examples of that. Look at Alabama this year. All right? There – how many we heard from players in the team we've heard from Saban about how this team just didn't have that same that same just they didn't have the it that so many other Alabama teams have had he's not talking about talent I still don't think there's a more talented team in the country than Alabama right but there wasn't that same Mm buy-in and that's going to be key getting that buy-in to be to be 
if there's buy-in from top to bottom of the quarterback depth chart and the play is to a certain level, then it forces everybody else to buy in. And it, and that's what's so important. And that's what kind of has me fired up because I do expect both of them to do what we've said they need to do. I fully expect both of them to do that. And then what does that do as we look to the future, Ryan? Because the next section we're going to discuss is the future at quarterback. Yep. Right now, we feel it's in a really healthy place. Some questions need to get answered, but it's in a really healthy place. What about the future? Well, for at least a year, part of the potential future is going to be learning under these two guys. What example are they setting for Kenny Minchie? Because when you look at Kenny Minchie, he has all the ability in the world to be the guy at Notre Dame and go win a championship. He has all the talent in the world to beat out a C.J. Carr at some point in time and lead this team to a championship, just like C.J. has the talent to come in and also beat out Kenny. They're two incredibly talented quarterbacks. What lessons will he learn sitting behind those two guys this year? Because when you are a freshman quarterback with with a junior and a six-year senior ahead of you, you are going to be a sponge whether you like it or not because you're you're going to learn no matter what. It's like kids learn from their parents by watching what they do, not what they say. It's just a part of growing up. Same thing with this. Well, I saw this guy not do the work here, not do the work there, not have the right attitude here, and they still kept trotting him out every week. That's the lesson he's going to learn. Or, man, I watch these two guys just what a professional this guy was. Like what, you know, it's like Sean Davis has told this story before about how, you know, Bryce Young was ticked. He didn't, he didn't, he got beat out by Mac Jones. But his mindset was, okay, I'm going to watch this dude and learn. And playing behind Mac Jones for a year helped make Bryce Young an even better player because he learned how to go about your business on an everyday basis as the starting quarterback at Alabama. Right. And that's the lessons that you're going to see that manifest to it. But even even but beyond that, the the other part of this too is Kenny Minchie's a really talented quarterback and, and he's going to be a freshman. And CJ Carr is a really talented quarterback in the 24 class. You are we've already talked about the talents on the roster now. I don't it's been a while since I felt that the – and here's the thing that's present about this team that wasn't necessarily true on some of the talented quarterback rooms in the past. The Ever Golson, Deshaun Kaiser, Malik Zaire, Brandon Wimbush, you know, uh, kind of era, those were four incredibly talented players. But they didn't all necessarily fit the offense Notre Dame was trying to run. Right. The thing about this room is they all fit what they're trying to do. So that adds to the the talent that's coming into this room. So – I mean, the future is as bright as it's ever been at quarterback when you look at it from top to bottom. And that's an exciting thing because we've talked a lot about Hartman and Buckner, but Kenny Minchie and C.J. Carr are part of that too. And I'll tell you what, Ryan, for spring ball, I'm really excited to just see Kenny Minchie in person and just watch him spend that ball around because this is a kid that can flat out flat out play. And, and to me, he's a top 100 quarterback. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just simple as that. He's a top 100 quarterback, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he looks like in Notre Dame pads and slinging that ball around when we get to spring ball. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry. Also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I mean, he'll probably be like 6'4 by the time you see him, man. I feel like every day he just gets taller and taller. It's so weird. I remember you were telling me that he was maybe like six foot and a half at one point when you saw him, maybe 6'1", and then now he's no. like 6'2". Kenny Minchie? Yeah, Minchie. No, I didn't say that. He measured in at Notre Dame at a camp at six foot and a half as a sophomore. Wow. Gotcha. So he grew. So when he came in for his visit last year, he measured in at a little over six, two. Mm -hmm. And so it was Notre Dame. Yes. I did relay that story, but it wasn't me. I didn't see him at that camp. It uh, it was Notre Dame measured him at six foot and a half. So he definitely had a sprout his last couple of years. Yeah. And if you watch his, if anybody here just watches his junior film compared to the senior film, like you saw that even further and he was, I mean, he was probably about six, one as a, as a junior. And then he got up to, again, Brian just said little hair over six foot two. So he, and he filled out tremendously as well. So I'm, I'm interested to see it too, because I mean, he'll be like physically, he'll just be about ready to play from a physical perspective, right? Like obviously there's a lot that goes into developing quarterbacks, right? It's the mental side of the game. It's the consistency footwork, all that great stuff. But I mean, Kenny Minchie's going to come in. I mean, I know he's already moved in, but like he's going to be 6'2", 210 plus pounds at this point. And I mean, he's going to be one of your biggest quarterback. Well, he's going to be your tallest quarterback just about on the roster, maybe outside of Steve Angeli. But I mean, otherwise, he's taller than Buckner. He's taller than Sam Hartman. Angeli's their tallest quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. So Angeli's a a hair over what Kenny Minch is going to be. But I mean, physically... It's pretty close to being ready to play, man. Like he is. He's pretty filled out. He's got a powerful lower half. He's six two. I mean, a lot of good things to work through there. And and I think that he fits the offense incredibly well. To your point, Brian. Like I think that's the good part about what him and CJ Carr bring to the table is that they're slightly different players, but they both are cut from the same cloth. They are. You know, they're both six two, six two and a half type of quarterbacks. He is really slightly off. taller than Kenny. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's going to be six three by the time he gets to Notre Dame. If he's yeah. not already six three. Yep. And they're both pretty good athletes, but I mean, more than anything, man, they they are really on time passers, accurate, can throw to multiple levels of the field. Like there's just a lot of parallels to what Kenny does well to what CJ does well. So the next step of football for Notre Dame is that you're bringing in quarterbacks that fits very well and then it's going to also make it easier potentially for a Tommy Reese to look at Kenny and CJ together and be like you guys are kind of similar so like I can teach you in a similar ish type of way that's key that's key can they run can they is there because here's the thing that can hurt a quarterback's coach more than any other position there's other positions where this is true offensive line it can be this way but as a receivers coach there are certain principles of footwork that are true no matter who I'm yelling. I'm 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 talking to. So like I explained to my players in fall camp, you're going to hear me yell a lot because what the reason I'm yelling, not yelling at you like screaming, but the reason I'm yelling at a player on his technique over here is because I want you all to hear it because it's going to be true for all of you. This is what I'm looking for from a technique standpoint. Now, certain players have certain skills that they can't do some of the intricacies as well as I want, but there's going to be things like stem, uh, like, you know, attacking leverage, 
minimizing your footwork, sinking your hips at the top end of a route, sticking that top end, leaning a guy out. All those things are going to be needed and desired no matter what specific skill sets running that particular route. Now, I may have a player that I do some other things with because he has a unique skill set or a limited skill set, but those things are going to be true no matter what. And so when I look at at, at like the quarterback position, however, the, the, the years like, I mean, there's very different skill sets. And so like I couldn't teach footwork for one kid that I was teaching to another kid because one kid had a nine inch longer uh, drop distance. So another kid, I had to teach him to be sl- quicker and more strides. Whereas another kid, I was like three steps and you're where you need to be. You know what I mean? And so, and another kid's like in the shotgun, like I, this kid can't throw to his left if he's, if he's catching it turned. So I had to work on him catching the shotgun snap shoulder square and then step to the right or step to the left where I needed to go. Now, these are more division three problems because they're we're dealing with like limited arm talent, things like that. Right. But the point is the same where quarterback has very different skill sets. Ken, and that's very much been true in the past, because when you're coaching up Ian Book and you're coaching up Phil Dracovic, you're talk coaching up two quarterbacks who are in different universes as far as their skill sets and, and their tight stop play play style and mechanical play and needs and wants and all those kind of things. Same thing if you're talking about a Brandon Wimbush and a Neon book or a Tyler Buckner and a Sam Hartman. There's very different players with very different mechanical needs. CJ Carr and Kenny Minchie, as you said, Ryan, are very similar players in that regard. I, I do want to talk about Kenny Minchie here real quick, Ryan, because I – I, I got to tell you, I'm I'm very curious to see his projection at Notre Dame. And there's going to be – I've even heard people talk, well, he's going to be ready to play as a freshman. I don't know about all that. I, I, I need to see him play. He missed half of his year. But here's the thing I like about him. It, and we'll, we'll get to CJ in a second, but just focusing on Kenny is he's very much a modern quarterback. And what does that mean? Modern quarterback still has to do the same things quarterbacks in the 80s did. You've got to be able to throw on time. You've got to be able to throw with anticipation. You've got to be able to attack all levels of the defense if you really want to be a championship quarterback. There's guys in the NFL that put up monster numbers, Ryan, that just can't win a playoff game. Why? Because in the playoff, you're playing a good team every week, and you've got to be able to attack all the levels, and your quick game, dumping, short to intermediate game, nonstop is just not going to be good enough unless you just got dudes everywhere around you, right? And so you can watch a you can watch a Josh Allen make some big mistakes in that game against the Dolphins, but then you're like, why'd they win? Because he made some just insane down the field throws that nobody else in football, not named Patrick Mahomes, can make. Brian, right? can I can I tell you a, a ridiculous stat on Josh Allen? So in that fourth quarter of that game, they were winning the whole fourth quarter. His average depth of target in that fourth quarter was 29 yards. Right. It's insane. Right. Who does that? Who right. does that? I Where, just... And then you've got Kirk Cousins who's throwing three yards down the field on a fourth and eight, right? <laughs> right. Like... You know, so, but the point is, is, is that's all true. You got to be able to do all those things. But here's to me what I mean by modern quarterback. You've got to be able to play off script. Mm-hmm. You've got to be able to do things when things break down. You've got to be, to me, a guy that can throw off platform. And that means like why you're moving and off platform to some means also different arm angles. And that can be true. I think they're kind of two different things, but also a guy that can change arm angles. That's not needed in my opinion, Ryan, but when it's there, it's beneficial. The bowl game was a perfect example. There were two plays that Tyler Buckner made in that game that if he doesn't have the ability 
to kind of change his arm angle. He's just, he's just, you can't make those plays. It was the little, the early little like dump down to, to Jaden Thomas. Yep. And then the other one was the the throw on a drag route on the over route to Jaden Thomas. The yes, guy's right wow. here. If he tries to throw like this, the ball's getting batted. He threw like this and it hit him on stride. That takes a very unique skill set. And to watch him do that is like, okay, you can't, you can try to teach that, but usually by the time a guy gets to college, that's harder to teach. I mean, you saw the 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 Simses trying to teach that to Jack Cohn. We didn't really see that from Jack once we got to the season. Because once you get back to the games, you're going to revert back to what your body knows, right? And so Jack did a better job of throwing while moving off platform. Like you think of the throw against Toledo. I don't know if that's a, a throw that Jack Car- Cohn could have made at Wisconsin a, a whole lot. You, that's the one where he kind of moves around, climbs, and hits Michael Mayer kind of moving around. And so you saw some of that, but just being able to kind of throw here if you need to, or turn, you know, drop it down and go like this, or go like this, or do all those type of things, throwing on the run. Because I have found that guys can throw with different arm angles tend to be really good at throwing on the run. Because throwing on the run, it's hard. It's hard to throw with the same throwing mechanics on the run because your body's just different, your feet are in a different place. And so Kenny Minchie brings a lot of that. Now he's not a runner. But he's a good athlete that is mobile. But he's a guy that does it from that's the other thing is is as much as I love watching Josh Allen play, I would rather take a guy with his skill set that likes to kind of move around in an attempt to buy time to throw it more so than run it as much as he does. So like that's why I kind of like Patrick Mahomes a little bit more than a Josh Allen, because you know, jo- jo- Patrick Mahomes could run for a lot more yards if he wanted to. He just uses athleticism to buy time. They're both great players, but you get the point. And that's kind of how Kenny is. And so I love all those skills. The question that I have, and it's not a question is I don't think he has the skill, but it's always the the question in in jump is there are some throws that I want to see him make at the next level in the spring. They're going to tell me a lot. Can he bang that 20-yard comeback on the sideline? Can he throw that 10-yard deep out to the field? that they'll ask him to throw at times and can, and ha- what does this deep ball look like? Cause we've seen it on film. He's got a good arm. I want to see what it looks like at Notre Dame. Those are the things that I look at and I say how those questions are getting answered are going to tell me a lot about his ability to play now, if his number's called. Right. But it's also going to tell us a little bit about, okay, what's the upside of this kid? Because if he can make some of those throws now before he spends two, three years in the Matt Bayless strength program, you're going to make like, okay, when this kid really fills out, he's going to be really special. So I love the upside. I love the talent. But those type of throws are going to be the ones that I need to see from Kenny Minchie to say, okay, that's like, for example, right? I have him as a four-star player right now, top 100 player on our grade. Yep. But I gave him a four-and-a-half-star grade, which is that of a top 50 guy, not a top 25 guy, which is the five-star upside grade. I didn't give him that because – those are the throws I'm still not sure if he can make because we just didn't see him get a chance to make a lot of those in high school. Mm-hmm. And so, like, he can throw the over routes. I mean, great anticipation, great timing with good zip and all that. But can he bang those really hard routes? That's the only question that I have. And it's a question from just not seeing it as much as opposed to questioning if he has the talent. That's what I'm curious to see from him this spring, Ryan. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, that was one of my biggest disappointments about the old American Bowl was that Kenny wasn't there so I could see him throw in person a little bit, you know, to see what it looks like. Because, I mean, that 
the biggest things that pop off the screen for him on the film, and I think some stuff that you already alluded to was the anticipation that he plays with for his age is fantastic. The accuracy he throws with is fantastic. He has really good ball placement overall. All those things are they, they're needed. They're things that you want to have, and they're things that he does have. But you know the difference between, and this goes not even from just like watching a huddle film to real life, but this is like watching film in general, right? Like I could watch a player in all 22 and I'd be like, you know, that, that you know, what, what the arm strength looks like. And I kind of compare it to other players. I'm like, okay, this, this is what I think the arm strength is. But then you see it in person and it's just difference, right? Like it's just, you, you can't really quantify seeing a player in person and seeing the pace of the football, the ability to throw with different different anticipation and throwing with different paces to their football, you know, taking something off a little bit, throwing with different arm speeds, like those things you can't really get a great feel on because the one thing about Kenny in high school was I don't think he threw with a ton of intended velocity all the time, right? Because his anticipation was so good that he could just get the ball out there because he knew that's right. where the spot's going to be. That's where I need to get it to. I don't have to throw. And the that's ball what his offense wall. asked him to do. Exactly. Right. Right. You don't have to. Th- you don't have to throw the ball as hard as you can in that setting, right? Because you know, as long as I throw it on time and in the right window, I can get the ball there. In a spring opportunity now, that twenty-yard comeback that you're talking about, that's going to be against a guy that you know. You know, maybe I don't know how much Cam Hart will be involved, but like, let's say it's a Benjamin Morrison who's well, going to be able to close on that. that the route that I'm talking about is a boundary throw. Yes, like I'm not talking about the twenty come back 20 yards down the field from the far hash. That's like, okay, who can make that throw? Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes. um, You know, I mean, that that's a different type of throw that I'm not asking him to make. You know, 20 yard stop route to the field. That's a different story, but the the stop and a drive or a comeback or an out are completely different animals. When you're talking about 20 yards into the field. So it will be Mm -hmm. against the Benjamin Morrison's. It will be against the Christian grace potentially and whoever those boundary guys are. Correct, right, and and it's a much more tighter window throw because if that, you're throwing a twenty yard comeback yeah. to the field, you're doing mm-hmm. it because the corner completely bailed, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be like because you're not throwing you never throw a twenty yard comeback or twenty yard out to the field if the guy's covered tightly, sure. unless you're and you know you're one of those elite of the elites, you're throwing those when the guy's open and the corner bailed. It's cover three, and you're throwing it over the top of the flat defender, and it's all good. You can make that throw. Right. Yep. We're talking about that 20-yard comeback where the corner's kind of playing it tight and you've got to hammer that thing to the sideline. Exactly. It's a fat ball, right? Because no matter how good your anticipation is on that throw, I mean, Benjamin Morrison, those Christian Grays of the world, they're still going to be on the back hip, right? Like They're still going to be right in your hip pocket and be able to break on that football. And that's the difference between high-level arm strength and good arm strength, right? Like Those are the differences that you want to see in – that setting, especially because the talent level around you, and I know you know he plays against some good competition in Tennessee, but the talent level that he's about to get pushed against is obviously at a high level, much higher level, right? You you have you didn't see Benjamin Morrison's on a week to week basis. You didn't see Christian Gray's. You didn't see Cam Hart's. You didn't see those types on a week to week basis. So being able to play in that offense and be able to hit those tighter window throws. That's going to be the separator because if he can hit those throws, Brian, with the anticipation level he plays with, with the general athleticism he has, with the accuracy he plays with, then he has a chance to be a star, right? Like that's the difference maker type of thing. So I, I'll, I'm, 
excited because I'm sure I'll be may, may hopefully able to get down to a spring practice this year and hopefully be able to see him throw in person right. as long as he's healthy and all that good stuff. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to work on that here as we get yeah. as we get closer <laughs> to it. And with CJ, let's, I just want to briefly talk about CJ Carr right now too, and we'll have plenty of time to talk about that. I mean, all yeah. the intangibles are there, right? I mean, you you've already seen it. You know, he comes from a football family. Obviously, his grandfather was a, a national championship coach at Michigan. Uh, well-respected coach as a person, as, as a coach at, at Michigan. And he's you see the leadership as a recruiter and all those type of things. You could just see kind of kids flocking to him on Irish Invasion this summer, and he's got all of that. Very nice kid, very humble kid. Like, you've engaged with him. I've engaged with him. He does not yeah. engage with you like you'd expect from a five-star quarterback who's come from a famous family. Doesn't yeah. carry that that arrogance that you you would have assumed that a kid like him would have really nice kid really goofy smile like i mean like like goofy is in like he's got a great smile but more like just like a you know just an all shucks kind of way as i guess is the best way to say it right and to to see the him blushing when they were doing the the frisking at the at the junior day on saturday you know just it, it he's a good kid you know and he's enjoying this process but but then you see him on the field and it's a little bit of a different kind of kid you see a kid that plays with some attitude, swagger. a kid that plays with a lot of fire, some swagger, and you kind of like that 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 on and off difference of personality, you know, because the sometimes guys that play like that on the field can kind of act like that off of it, you yep. know what I mean? Like, and and that's the thing I, I liked from him is his numbers in some areas went down a little bit, you know, a little more turnovers, completion percentage at times a little lower. Because what you saw this year is he was attempting a lot more challenging passes. Yes. And he was kind of learning, okay, I probably shouldn't try to make that throw. Or, you know what, I can make that throw, but I need to do a little bit different this time. But that also leads to him making some insane throws. I mean, there was a game early in the year that they came back and won where he fits a ball over top of two linebackers and in, in, in front of a corner and in front of a safety. And it, the guy's got to die for it, but, like, the ball was the only place it could be. Well, you're going to make some mistakes on that throw at times but you take it because you know he can hit it. But the thing I also saw about CJ this year too is he was much more willing to run this yes. season than he was in the past. Now, he's still a guy that wants to use his legs to buy time to throw, but he was able to tuck it and run for some big plays this year. And, and when you look at him, he's got a, a he still has a very young body, meaning he doesn't look like an 18-year-old kid. I mean, he looks like a younger kid whose body is still evolving. Well, that means there's another, in my opinion, another kind of a, I don't say growth spurt because I don't know if we'll get taller, but there's another, like, between now and the time he arrives where his body's going to kind of boom a little bit, and you're going to see another jump in arm strength, which is saying something, because he's already got a pretty strong arm. Mm-hmm. I would say right now that there's still a lot of projection to go, but as you look to the future, I still think CJ probably has the most arm talent of all the quarterbacks on the roster or projected to be on the roster down the road. There's still some learning that needs to be done, some growth that needs to happen, but just from a, okay, looking at the ceiling standpoint as just a thrower, he has the highest ceiling. Buckner, I think has the, is different because Tyler isn't the passer that CJ is as just a, who's the better sit back in the quarterback guy and throw. But Tyler's such a dynamic player in so many other ways that I think, the ceilings are similar. They're just different. I'm talking about just as a thrower. Yep. I still think he has the best arm talent that they have um, looking at the the future of this position group, Brian. Do you, do you agree or disagree with that? 
No, I, I don't disagree at all because I think the, I mean, you said it perfectly, right? Like if CJ Carr is stuck in the pocket all day, feel good about it. You know, like he could pick you apart, man. And he has all the tool. I mean, I mean, I liked his, I really did like his sophomore film. His junior film was a completely different animal, which gives me a big hope for what senior year could be as far as that jump. Because, I mean, he definitely did fill out. You know, he's probably more in the 195, 200 pound range comparative to like 180 that he was probably as a sophomore. I'd say close right? to like 190 after seeing him in person. You know, close, like, but still, there's a, a jump. He yeah. definitely, Ryan, looked thicker on Saturday yep. than he did when I saw him in June at the Irish on Invasion. Irish invasion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's definitely started to fill out a little bit. And, and the one thing, and I know we've heard a lot about this, is that he's also a very smart kid, right? Like very, very he he kind of gets football, you know, for his age, which is it's big time, you know, because he has the physical tools that are developing that are only going to get better. And also, he's a little bit of a student of the game, you know. He sees the game at a pretty high level for his age. Ryan, that's something that's very interesting. I'm glad you brought that up. I was actually going to transition there. You didn't know I was going to transition there. So I love the fact that you beat me to it. Great minds think alike. Here was the last part I was going to discuss when it comes to Minchie and Carr. One of the issues that we've seen with Notre Dame quarterbacks in recent years is they were really smart kids on the board, Mm -hmm. but they couldn't process with that same level of football IQ. And when I look at CJ and Kenny and, and we watch them play and then you talk to people around them, I've talked to sources that have worked with both kids or seen both kids. And they say that people don't understand the, the football aptitude that these two young men have from an understanding of volume of what they need to learn scheme wise, play wise, uh, foot like X's and O's wise, all of it is incredibly high. And that's what often gets overlooked with Kenny Minchie is maybe he doesn't have Dante Moore's arm or Nico's height and arm and and Chris Vazina's pro-style body and all those other kind of things. But when you talk to Trent Dilfer and other people down at the Elite 11 finals this year, they'd say that kid is as smart, if not smarter, than anybody else in the, in the class. And that's what you heard from Notre Dame of why they liked him so much because that kid's – Apt, football aptitude is through the roof. And the same thing is true of CJ. They're not only physically gifted players, but they're able to maximize their phys- physical gifts because they have a great understanding and feel for the game. And you see it on film as well, where you're watching Kenny Minchie throw and you're like, dude, where are you throwing that? Oh, the receiver ran right underneath it. Didn't see it. Nice ball. You know, and Tyler Buckner has a little bit of that to him as well. I just think Tyler's issue is the experience or lack thereof. But we've seen Tyler make some of those throws where it's just like, with all due respect, Ian Book, he never makes that throw to Jaden Thomas on the overrun because I don't think he ever sees it. And and same thing with Drew Pine. And that, that, that wasn't a throw that required Josh Allen or Pat Mahomes arm strength or Lamar Jackson arm strength. It didn't. It required a great feel for the game and ability to throw off, off with a different arm and off platform. And so Tyler has a little bit of that. He just doesn't have the experience because of all the injuries and the COVID year and all that other kind of stuff. CJ certainly is going to have a ton of experience and Kenny's got a lot of experience. Kenny Minter was a three-year starter in high school. Tyler Buckner was a one-year starter in high school, you know, because of, it's not his fault. It's just because of, like I said, loss of sophomore to an injury, loss of senior year to COVID and all that other stuff. 
So I think Tyler can get there, but these two kids are going to show up in their name with that. And I think that's a that, because in order to run Tommy Reese's offense the way that Tommy wants to run this offense, you need a quarterback that can handle a lot of volume and can then make sure everybody else knows what's going on. Yep. That's that's the, you know because we were and I should it's on me for not thinking about this sooner, but we were kind of talking earlier in the year about, you know, look, it's up to them to get Tobias Merriwell on the field. And if you don't know what he's doing, have the quarterback tell him what to do. But then you start thinking about like, but is that really something that Drew Pine's able to handle right now? Is that, you know, I I don't know with these kids. It's like, you feel like they're going to be able to do that early. And I think that's a very important part of why it was important to land both of them, because these are two extremely high football IQ players that aren't, were 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 in and, and they're but they're not players that were focusing on that to mask that they lack this over here, right? right? Like what made Jack Cohn so successful as a quarterback in Notre Dame? In your opinion, Ryan, it was his intelligence. He saw the game at a high level, feel yeah. for the game. But yeah. what did he lack? Big Great time and strength, en- yeah, mm-hmm. athleticism, all that. Right? Yeah. These kids are like Jack here, but they've got a much better arm talent. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason I love Jack Cohn as a player because in college you can get away with that where you maybe don't have the big arm. And we saw Jack late in the year was really ripping it up. And and but these kids not only can do that mentally, but they've got the physical talent. And so that's why Ryan, I'm as excited as I've been. And like that was a question for me with 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 Malik Zaire was Malik was making such a a technical change going to college because he was running like an option offense. Like so there was always that okay, how would he develop? And then by the time he started to get comfortable with that is when he got hurt. But there's always going to be a growth process needed with Malik because of the type of offense he played in. Sure. But you could see the decision-making was always good. Deshaun Kaiser, the physical tools were enormous, but you always wondered, does this kid really process reads really well? Does he really, does he really have that anticipation ability that guys have? And you didn't really see that. That was an issue with Brandon Wimbush as well. That was an issue with Ian Book as well. Right, like, well, you, you love the physical tools, but does this guy really have that great, huge feel for the game, that grasp of the game, the way that the other guys do, the way that a Bryce Young has, for example, the way that a CJ Stroud has? Because CJ Stroud and Bryce Young, Bryce Young, more, I, I would say Bryce Young, I think has a stronger arm than CJ Stroud. Do you agree or disagree with that? Not okay, by a ton, but I think it's stronger. Yeah, yeah no, I, I would probably take Bryce slightly, but it's yeah, they're on they're relatively in the same ballpark. Yeah. Neither of them have bazookas. Yeah, just good they arms, both have really an incredibly good feel for the game, and especially Bryce. And so he can throw balls. You're like, dude, where's that ball? Go? Oh, that's where it's going, right? <laughs> and that's what some of the Notre Dame quarterbacks have been missing in the past. Yeah, and 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 that's what Kenny Minchie and CJ Carr bring to the table. That's what I think Sam Hartman brings to the table. I think that's what Tyler Buckner brings to the table. Although we just haven't seen it as much because of the lack of experience, but his anticipation in the bowl game. And his anticipation as a junior in high school, to me, did grade out extremely high. And I think that, more than anything, is the biggest difference because it's the this is not the most physically talented quarterback room Notre Dame has had. But it is to me, it is the best ta- quarterback talent room that Notre Dame has had in a yeah. very long time. Very, very long time. And that's what has me fired up about what this group can be, right? And, and I think that that's what the evaluators at Notre Dame, I think that that's what they really clamor towards, right? Like, I think Tommy Reese really wants that instinctual intelligent intelligence at quarterback, right? Like, I right. think that that's he something that he really wants, right. you know? I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, because if you have the intelligence and then you have the skill set on top of it, the physical talent, then you're talking about having the possibility to have some really good quarterbacks in that room, right, potentially. Because there's not really – there's no limitation to what you can do with C.J. Carr or Kenny Minchie or Tyler Buckner, for that matter, from a attack-in-the-field perspective. Like, all those kids can attack multiple levels. They can run the football. I mean, Tyler obviously can run the football very well, but the other two can move and make plays out of out of script, off script, off platform, all that great stuff as well. So I think that this is kind of a push towards what Tommy Reese and this offensive staff want at the quarterback position. And now you have started to maintain a assortment of guys that really do see the game at a high level that that transition may not be as steep because – I mean, the way we look at it, Brian, like depending on what happens with Tyler, right, is that you're going to go into 2024, like even further in advance, where there's going to be a redshirt freshman and a true freshman in CJ Carr that are going to come in. And from a mental capacity perspective, you feel pretty good about them fitting into that conversation, right? Like, will they be physically developed enough? Will they be be ready to play on a full-scale perspective? But I think mentally, they'll be right there. And I think that you have you have that. You feel really good about the future of this quarterback position because you don't have to build some guys up from the you know from the, from the lowest points, like right? Raw, you don't have to tear guys down and, doesn't know how to play. You got to work on the feet, the read. Exactly. Just, just boy, I love this guy's ability, but man, I'm not sure. You know, like the kid that the Miami got last year, Jacurry Brown. Yes, like you see, like you're like this kid's got an NFL body. He's got a bazooka. He's athletic, but he doesn't know how to play quarterback right now. Exactly. It may come in time. He's got potential, but these kids come in, they already know how to play football. Yep. Now it's about teaching them how to run your offense, getting them stronger, you know, teaching them how to play the college game. But when you look at Kenny Minchie, you don't ever question, does this kid know, does this kid have a feel for the game? Does he have the football IQ needed? Does he make the, the necessary reads and can he do all those kind of things? They're like, okay, yeah, he's got all that, right? Bryce right. Young is, doesn't have the, does not have an NFL body. I mean, that's going to be something that people are going to spend the next – What? How, when's the draft? In, in late April? April. So yep. you got three months where we're going to obsess on people picking apart, talking about how Bryce Young doesn't have the right frame. And to a degree, I get that. 17-game season. It's, it's, you know, sure. you got to be able to hold up. But what you're not going to hear from people is, does this kid have the football IQ? Does this kid understand how to go through reads? Does this kid anticipate – does this kid have those things? I mean, off the charts, good. Right. It's going to be about are the physical tools what you want from a number one quarterback? That's the only question. Because yep. if if like Zach Wilson had Bryce Young's intangibles and feel, he's Incredible. one of the five best yeah. quarterbacks in the league right now. Right. But he doesn't, which is why he should have never been the number two pick. That's my point. Trey Lance is another one who physical tools, really good. It's mm-hmm. does he have those other attributes that you need to play the game? Those are the questions. That's never going to be a question for Kenny Minchie. Yep. And and that's why I'm excited to get him. And it's never going to be a question for CJ Carr. And that's why I say right now, Ryan, as I said, this is as I feel as good about the quarterback room right now moving forward as I felt in a very long time. And I'd still probably feel that way if Sam Hartman wasn't here, to be sure. honest with you. The 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 margin for error on the current roster in 23 would be much more narrow because I don't want to have to play Kenny Minchie as a freshman. But with with Sam Hartman, you're like, okay, the margin for error is now much, much wider now yes. because you you you're a lot has to go wrong before you have to throw a Kenny Minchie or Steve Angeli onto the field. Yep. And that's the that's where you love to be. 
I just really hope that Tommy Reese figures out the 2025 quarterback situation at some point, man. Like I'm just waiting on this to happen. It just hasn't <laughs> happened yet. Well, if you're on the message board, you would have seen our update last night where they are out saying a, well, they're not saying the 2025 quarterback because they can't see him, but they're going by his school. Yes. To make sure that everybody there understands the uh, interest level that they have in him. So, and there are several others, but yeah, they are already working overtime on 2025 quarterback because uh, they've already got their 2024 guy locked and loaded. Yep. So that's going to do it for our quarterback breakdown, Ryan. This one is a little bit different. We talked about a lot of things that, you know, next position groups will talk more about the specific skill sets and the players and the depth. But I really wanted to take a little bit of a different angle with this one just because we have talked so much about the other aspects of the quarterback play, arm, talent, angles, all that stuff. We wanted to dive into a little bit something different. So uh, it, was, it was a good discussion, I believe. But we're going to move to the mailbag next. But before we do, folks, please hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. Would greatly, greatly appreciate it. And, of course, sign up for the message boards at boards.irishbreakdown.com, which you can see down there below. Also, make sure that you sign up for the for the website, or you not sign up, but that you go to the website at irishbreakdown.com. Check that out. And uh, – Make sure that you are uh, signed up for our newsletter as well. So we're going to, I got to, forgot to send that out today. So I got to send that out here at one point in time, Ryan, when you're answering a question, I may have to go start working on that, uh, sending that out today. So my, my apologies for those that are signed up for the newsletter, but basically just every morning in your inbox, you get all the top stories that we sent out from the day before on the website. So definitely check that out as well. Mark Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.